So uh, this afternoon I thought I'd, um, I'd read the, the Ratapala Sutta from the, the Majjhima Nikaya. I don't, I don't know if, um, uh, what suttas you've been doing here. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> you may have just done this sutta recently. I don't, I don't know. Um, hmm? You haven't done it recently? No. Okay, good. <laughs> but I, I, was going, I was going through um, this Majjhima Nikaya, just looking briefly, and uh, this this one seems to be just a nice length uh, that would fit in with with the time. Cause some of them are some of them are a bit bit short, some are a bit long. But this one seemed to fit the time quite nicely. <coughs> okay, so what I'll do is I'll just. Um, I just read the sutta, and every every now and then, uh, I might just uh, stop and make comments on on uh, pieces that might be that might need a bit of elucidation. And at any time, at any time, it's okay if people wish to make comments any time during the reading, uh, because actually they they can be quite valuable at at a point if any, anybody isn't isn't clear about thing, it, a particular thing, don't feel this is a, very, this is a formal thing. I, I'd like to keep this uh, quite, uh, quite loose and friendly. Um, so um, any point that you, you don't understand, just feel free to uh, stop me in mid-sentence. <coughs> but I find this, this suitor... Uh, not only interesting, but also uh, quite entertaining as well, in many ways. <clears throat> Thus have I heard, on one occasion the Blessed One was wandering in the Kuru country with a large sangha of bhikkhus, and eventually he arrived at a Kuru town named Tula Kotita. The Brahmin householders of Tula Kotita heard the recluse Gotama, son of the Sakyans, who went forth from the Sakyan clan, has been wandering in the Kuru country with a large sangha of bhikkhus and has come to Tula Kotita. Now a good report of Master Gotama has been spread to this effect. That blessed one is accomplished, fully enlightened, perfect in true knowledge and conduct, sublime knower of the worlds, incomparable leader of persons to be tamed, teacher of gods and humans, enlightened, blessed. He declares this world with its gods, its maras and its brahmas, this generation with its recluses and brahmins, its princes and its people, which he has himself realized with direct knowledge he teaches the dharma good in the middle good he teaches the dharma good in the beginning good in the middle and good in the end with the right meaning and phrasing and he reveals a holy life that is utterly perfect and pure now it is good to see such arahants 
Then the Brahmin householders of Tulakotita went to the Blessed One. Some paid homage to the Blessed One and sat down to one side. Some exchanged greetings with him. And when this courteous and amiable talk was finished, sat down to one side. Some extended their hands in reverential salutation towards the Blessed One and sat down to one side. Some pronounced their name and clan in the Blessed One's presence and sat down to one side. Some kept silent, some sat down to one side. When they were seated, the Blessed One instructed, urged, roused and encouraged them with talk on the Dharma. Now, at that time, a clansman named Ratapala, the son of the leading clan in that same Tulakotita, was sitting in the assembly. Then it occurred to him, as I understand the Dharma taught by the Blessed One, it is not easy while living the home life to lead the holy life, utterly perfect and pure as a polished shell. Suppose I shave off my hair and beard, put on the yellow robe and go forth from the home, from the home life into homelessness. Then the Brahmin householders of Tula Kotita, having been instructed, urged, roused and encouraged by the Blessed One with talk on the Dharma, delighted and rejoiced in his words. They then rose from their seats and after paying homage, homage to him, they departed, keeping him on their right. <clears throat> Soon after they had gone, the clansman Ratapala went to the Blessed One and after paying homage to him, he sat down to one side and said to the Blessed One, Venerable Sir, as I understand the Dharma taught by the Blessed One, it is not easy while living in, living in a home to lead the holy life, utterly perfect and pure as a polished conch shell. Venerable Sir, I wish to shave off my hair and beard and put on the yellow robe and go forth from the home life into homelessness. I would receive the going forth under the Blessed One. I would receive the full admission. Have you been permitted by your parents, Ratapala, to go forth from the home life into homelessness? No, Venerable Sir, I have not been permitted by my parents. Ratapala, the targeters do not give the going forth to anyone who does not have his parents' permission. Now this, this is an interesting point here because um, this harps back to the time when uh, uh, the, the Buddha went, went back the, to Kapilavata to his, to his home where his, uh, his parents lived and, uh, and his wife and um, on, that, on that occasion when he went back uh, uh, he also ordained uh, his son Rahula, uh, which was just a just a little boy of seven, and uh, of course the royal family uh, were totally distraught about this because not not only when uh, when the Buddha went forth when when he left when he left the palace when he left the home life and went off into the wilds, of course the everybody was upset the family was upset, but then not only that. Uh, then all the all the princes of the clan started leaving. 
There's about after a while, about half a dozen of the royal princes also left the home life. So uh, by this time, the royal family was just getting a bit fed up with this. So when when the Buddha came back, and then he also took Rahula as well. Uh, of course, the the that the, the royal family were were thought very dimly of this. They were really upset, and so the, the king. The king, particularly, that, on that occasion, uh, he, he, gave, he, gave this, this, he gave this ticking off to the Buddha and said, you know, okay, you know, uh, <laughs> okay, you, you are, okay, we're not denying you're someone special, you know, but, uh, but then you come back here and, you know, uh, then you, you take from us all we have left is, is our young Rahula. You know? You've taken everybody else and now you've taken our young Rahula. You know, uh, and this, and then he, he gives this sort of uh, really touching talk where he's, uh, he ends up by saying, "It's like someone sort of uh, cutting, cutting with a knife, sort of deep into the flesh, you know, deep into the flesh, into the bones, right into the marrow. You know, you know, the pain is just so deep when you come and you do a thing like this. You know, it's a bit heartless. You know, don't you, don't you feel?" Don't you think it's a bit heartless? And um, so what he said, what they said was, well, you know, could, you, could I ask, the king said, could I ask that in future, before you just take anybody, before you just take someone's son from some, uh, whatever family or whatever family, could you just get the, the parents' permission first before, before you ordain them? Because... You know, this can be, you know, a very painful thing for the family. You know, I, I really wish you would consider this. So the, uh, so the Buddha agreed. He said, yes, okay, I can see you're upset. Uh, it is maybe a little hard on the family just, just to take, take the, the sons away. Uh, and then he made a promise to, to the king that he would do that. So then that, um, that, that becomes uh, part of the monastic ruling that uh, anyone, anyone who becomes ordained first has to have their parents' permission. So th- this reference there, that's what it was. It, it goes right back to that time when, when uh, the Buddha took Rahula from the palace at seven years old. <coughs> Sorry? It's the same now, yeah. Whatever age they are, they have to get their parents' permission. Okay. 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 Venerable sir, I shall see to it that my parents permit me to go forth from the home into homelessness. Then, then the clansman Ratapala rose from his seat and after paying homage to the Blessed One, he departed, keeping him on his right. He went to his parents and told them, Mother and Father, as I understand the Dharma taught by the Blessed One, it is not easy while living in a home to lead the holy life, utterly perfect and pure like a polished shell. I wish to shave off my hair and beard and put on the yellow robe and go forth from the home into homelessness. Give me 
permission to go forth from the home life into homelessness. <clears throat> when he had said this, his parents replied, Dear Retapala, you are our only son, dear and beloved. You have been raised in comfort, brought up in comfort. You know nothing of suffering, dear, dear Retapala. Even in, even in case of your death, we would lose you unwillingly. So how could we give you our permission to go forth from the home into homelessness while you're still alive? For the second time, for the third time, the clansman Ratapala said to his parents, Mother, Father, give me permission to go forth from the home into homelessness. For the third time, his parents replied, Dear Ratapala, how could we give you permission to go forth from the home, from the home life into homelessness while you're still alive? I don't know when they <laughs> were going to give it to him, if they weren't going to give it to him while he was still alive. <clears throat> then, not receiving his parents' permission to go forth, the clansman Ratapala lay down there on the bare floor, saying, Right here I shall either die or receive the going forth. Then the clansman Ratapala's parents said to him, Dear Ratapala, you are our only son, dear and beloved. You have been raised in comfort, brought up in comfort. You know nothing of suffering, dear Ratapala. Get up, dear Ratapala. Eat, drink and amuse yourself. While eating, drinking and amusing yourself, you can be happy, enjoying sensual pleasures and making merit. We do not permit you to go forth from the home life into homelessness. Even in the case of your death, we would lose you unwillingly. So how could, how could we give you our permission to go forth from the home life into homelessness while you are still living? When this was said, the clansman Ratapala was silent. For the second time, for the third time, his parents said to him, Dear Ratapala, how could we give you our permission to go forth from the home life into homelessness while you are still living? For the third time, the clansman Ratapala was silent. Then the clansman Ratapala's parents went to his friends and said to them, Dears, the clansman Ratapala has lain down on the bare floor, having said, Right here I shall either die or receive the going forth. Come, dears, go to the clansman Ratapala and say to him, Friend Ratapala, <clears throat> you are your parents' only son. Get up, friend, Ratapala, eat, drink, amuse yourself. How could, how could your parents give you their permission to go forth from the home life into homelessness while you are still alive? Then the clansman Ratapala's fr friends went to him and said, Friend Ratapala, you are your parents' only son, dear and beloved. You have been raised in comfort brought up in comfort, you know nothing of suffering. Dear Ratapala, get up, friend. Ratapala, eat, drink, and amuse yourself. While eating, drinking, and amusing yourself, you can be happy, enjoying sensual pleasures, making merit. Your parents do not permit you to go forth from the home into homelessness. Even in case of your death, they would lose you unwillingly. So how could they give you their permission to go forth from the home into homelessness while you are still alive? When this was said, the clansman Ratapala was silent. For the second time, for the third time, his friend said to him, Friend Ratapala, <laughs> how, 
How could they give you their permission to go forth from the home life into homelessness while you are still living? For the third time, the clansman Ratapala was silent. Then the clansman Ratapala's friends went to his parents and said to them, Mother and father, the clansman Ratapala is lying down there on the bare floor, having said, Right here I shall either die or get the going forth. Now, if you do not give him your permission to go forth from the home life into homelessness, he will die there. But if you give him your permission, you will see him after he has gone forth. And if he does not enjoy the going forth, what else can he do then but return here? So give him your permission to go forth from the home life into homelessness. Then, dears, we give the clansman Ratapala permission to go forth from the home life into homelessness. But when he has gone forth, he must visit his parents. Then the clansman Ratapala's friends went to him and told him, Get up, friend Ratapala, your parents permit you to go forth from the home life into homelessness. But when you have gone forth, you must visit your parents. The clansman Ratapala then got up, and when he had regained his strength, he went to the Blessed One, and after paying homage to him, sat down to one side and told him, Venerable Sir, I have my parents' permission to go forth from the home life into homelessness. Let the Blessed One give me the going forth. Then the clansman Ratapala received the going forth under the Blessed One, and he received the full admission. Then, not long after the Venerable Ratapala had received the full admission, a half-month after he had received the full admission, the Blessed One, having stayed at Tulakotita as long as he chose, set out to wander towards Sawati. Wandering by stages, he eventually arrived at Sawati, and there he lived at Sawati in the Jata's Grove and Natapindika's Park. Before long, dwelling alone, withdrawn, diligent, ardent and resolute, venerable Ratapala, by realizing for himself with direct knowledge, here and now, entered upon and abided in that supreme goal of the holy life for the sake of which clansmen rightly go forth from the home life into homelessness. He directly knew, birth is destroyed, The holy life has been lived. What had to be done has been done. There is no more coming to any state of being. And the venerable Ratapala became one of the Arahants. Then the venerable Ratapala went to the Blessed One and after paying homage to him, he sat down to one side and told him, Venerable Sir, I wish to visit my parents if I have the Blessed One's permission. then the blessed one penetrated mentally the thoughts in venerable Ratapala's mind when he knew that the clansman Ratapala was incapable of abandoning the training and returning to the low life he told him now is the time Ratapala to do as you think as you do as you think fit 
Then the venerable Ratapal rose from his seat and after paying homage to the Blessed One, he departed, keeping him on his right. He then set his resting place in order and taking his bowl and outer robe, set out to wander towards Tulakotita. Wandering by stages, he eventually arrived at Tulakotita. There he lived in Tulakotita in King Koravya's Migachira garden. Then, when it was morning, he dressed and, taking his bowl and outer robe, went into Tulakotita for arms. As he was wandering for arms from house to house in Tulakotita, he came, he came to his own father's house. Now, on that occasion, the venerable Ratapala's father was sitting in the hall of the central door, having his hair dressed. When he saw the venerable Ratapala coming in the distance, he said, Our only son, dear and beloved, was made to go forth by these bald-pated recluses. Then, at his own father's house, the venerable Ratapala received neither arms nor a polite refusal. Instead, he received only abuse. Just then, a slave woman belonging to one of his, rel rel belonging to one of his relatives was about to throw away some old porridge. Seeing this, the venerable Ratapala said to her, Sister, if that stuff is to be thrown away, then pour it into my bowl. While she was doing so, she recognized the characteristic features of, of his hands, his feet and his voice. Then she went to his mother and said, Please know, my lady, that my Lord's son Ratapala has arrived. Gracious, if what you say is true, you are no longer a slave. Then the venerable Ratapala's mother went to his father and said, Please know, householder, they say that the clansman Ratapala has arrived. Just then the venerable Ratapala was eating the old porridge by the wall of a certain shelter. His father went to him and said, Ratapala, my dear, surely there is... And here is a strange dot, 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 dot. There's a break in the sentence. With the footnote, I'd have to go to the footnote, which is 799. M.A. explains that his father meant to say, Ratapala, my dear, there, there is our wealth. We cannot be called poor, yet you sit in such a place eating old porridge. However, the householder was afflicted with such sorrow that he was unable to complete his utterance. Uh, well, that makes sense of the dots. <laughs> okay, Ratapala, my dear, surely there is. And you will be eating old porridge. Is there not, is there not your own house to go to? How could we have a house, householder, when we have gone forth from the home life into homelessness, 
We are homeless, householder. We went to your house, but we received neither arms nor polite refusal there. Instead, we received only abuse. Come, dear Ratapala, let us go to the house. Enough, householder, my meal for today is finished. Then, dear Ratapala, consent to accept tomorrow's meal. The venerable Ratapala consented in silence. Then, knowing that the venerable Ratapala had consented, his father went back to his own house, where he had gold coins and bullions made into a large heap and covered with mats. Then he told the venerable Ratapala's former wives, Come, daughters-in-law, adorn yourselves with ornaments in the way Ratapala found you most dear and lovable. Uh, now this is, you might find it, find it a bit strange at this point in the sutta, why when his family, his parents previously went to so much trouble to get him to stay, and he had wives. <laughs> he had wives hanging around in the background somewhere, and they didn't even get his wives to, to help them hold him in the, in the home life. Um, which, I, which I find a bit strange, I must say. But I think also that this is a comment on uh, where, you know, women, where women were, you know, the, the status of women uh, in, in these days of the Buddha. Because there's a lot, there's a, these days Buddhism is looked on as if it is sort of anti-feminine or something because of the, because of the way it's presented. But I think, what, uh, I think what the situation is here, that it, it seems, when you read the suttas, that actually the society in those days was actually a matriarchal society. It was, it was the mother. When she became the mother of the family, she had a great deal of influence, a great deal of sway. Though, but she wasn't an upfront character. She didn't make, she didn't make um, well, generally speaking... At times she did in some cases, but she, she, she didn't make uh, a big noise, so to speak, but she was controlling things from behind the scenes. And it's, and it's noticeable that, that a young wife, a young wife, part of a young wife's duty in those days was to be very uh, modest and humble and keep a very low profile. And she was under the thumb of the mother-in-law in a very severe way for many years. And... That, and that was her lot. But when she, when she became the, the, the mother of the family, when she, she broke off more from the, from the actual family and she became uh, more the adult um, wife of that husband, then she began to adopt that matriarchal role and then have a, have a, have a great deal of power in, in the family. So it's interesting here that you can see that it's the mother... Uh, the mother of the family here that really is the one that, that is pulling the strings, that has the power. And yet the young wives are considered quite secondary in his life compared to the influence of, of his mother. I think this, this is what's being demonstrated by this story here. <clears throat> okay. That then he told the venerable Ratapala's former wives, Come, daughters-in-law, adorn yourselves with ornaments 
in the way Ratapala found you most dear and lovable. When night had ended, the venerable Ratapala's father had good food and various kind, of various kinds prepared in his own home and had the time announced to the venerable Ratapala. It is time, dear Ratapala, the meal is ready. <clears throat> then, it being morning, venerable Ratapala, dressed and taking his bowl and outer robe, he went to his own father's house and sat down on the seat made ready. Then his father had a pile of gold coins and bullion uncovered. <laughs> he didn't waste any time. Didn't even give him time to eat the meal. Then his father had, had a pile of gold coins and bullion uncovered and said, Dear Ratapala, this is your maternal fortune. Your paternal fortune is another and your ancestral fortune is yet another. Dear Ratapala, you can enjoy the wealth and make merit. Come then, dear, abandon the training and return to the low, <laughs> return to the low life. <laughs> Makes no bones of it. You've got to read that again. Come then, dear, abandon the training and return to the low life. Enjoy the wealth and make merit. Householder, if you would follow my advice then have this pile of gold coins and bullion loaded on carts and carried away to be dumped midstream in the river Ganges. Why is that? Because, householder, on account of this, there, there will arise for you sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair. In other words, uh, to, to, the extent, the, to the extent of all this wealth uh, that the father has, if he... If he was to draw that, uh, a monk, a monk in the training away uh, from the holy life with all this wealth, uh, to the to the exact sort of value of all that wealth karmically, uh, that that man would receive that uh, that bad merit. So uh, wouldn't wouldn't be uh, of any great use to him. Then the venerable Ratapala's former wives clasped his feet and said to him, What are they like, my lord? What are they like, my lord's son? The nymphs, <laughs> the nymphs for whose sake you, le you lead the holy life. Oh, they, <laughs> you see, they've got the wrong idea, these women. <laughs> Hang on, I'll read that, I'll read that again. <laughs> What are they like, my Lord's son, the nymphs, for whose sake you lead the holy life? We do not lead the holy life for the sake of nymphs, sisters. Our Lord's son, Ratapala, called us sisters, they cried, and right there fainted. <laughs> then the venerable Ratapala told his father, Householder, if there is a meal to be given, then give it. Do not harass us. Eat then, dear Ratapala, the meal is ready. Then, with his own hands, the venerable Ratapala's father served and satisfied him with the various kinds of good food. When the venerable Ratapala had eaten and had withdrawn his hand from the bowl, he stood up and uttered these stanzas. <clears throat> 
Behold a puppet here pranked out, a body built up out of a body built up out of sores, sick, an object for concerned, where no stability abides. Behold a figure here pranked out with jewellery and earrings too, a skeleton wrapped up in skin, made attractive by its clothes. Its feet adorned with henna dye and powder smeared upon its face. It may beguile a fool, but not a seeker of the further shore. Its hair is dressed in eight, eightfold plaits and un, unguents smeared upon its eyes. It may beguile a fool, but not a seeker of the further shore. A filthy body well adorned, like a new painted ungent pot. It may beguile a fool, but not a seeker of the further shore. The deer hunter set out the snare, but the deer did not spring the trap. We ate the bait, and now we depart, leaving the hunters to lament. <clears throat> After the venerable Ratapala had stood up and uttered these stanzas, he went to King Koravya's Migachira garden and sat down at the foot of a tree for the day's abiding. Then King Koravya addressed his gamekeeper thus, Good gamekeeper, tidy up the Migachira garden so that we may go to the pleasure garden to see a pleasing spot. Your, your sire, your sire, he replied, now, now, uh, I, I'll read that again. Yes, sire, he replied. Now, while he was tidying up the Migachira garden, the gamekeeper saw the venerable Ratapala seated at the foot of the tree for the day's abiding. When he saw him, he went to the king, Koravya, and told him, Sire, the Migajira garden has been tidied up. The clansman Ratapala is there, the son of the leading clan in this same Tulakotita, of whom you have always spoken highly. He is seated at the root of a tree for the day's abiding. Then, good Migava, enough of the pleasure garden for today. Now we shall go to pay respects to that master Ratapala. Then saying... Then saying, give away all the food that has been prepared there. Give Koravya, King Koravya had a number of state carriages prepared and mounting one of them, accompanied by the other carriages, he drove out from Tulakotita with the full pomp of royalty to see the, vener the venerable Ratapala. He drove thus as far as the road was passable by carriages and then he dismounted from his carriage and went forward on foot with a following of the most eminent officials to where the Venerable Ratapala was. He exchanged greetings with the Venerable Ratapala, and when the courteous and amiable talk was finished, he stood at one side and said, Here is an elephant rug. Let Master Ratapala be seated on it. There is no need, great king. Sit down. I am sitting on my own mat. <clears throat> King Karavya sat down on a seat made ready and said, 
Master Ratapala, there are four kinds of loss. Because, because they have undergone these four kinds of loss, some people here shave off their hair and beard, put on the yellow robe, and go forth from the home into homelessness. What are the four? They are lost through aging, lost through sickness, lost through wealth, lost through relatives. And what is lost through aging? Here, Master Ratapala, someone is old, aged, burdened with years, advanced in life. Come to the last stage. He considers thus, I am old, aged, burdened with years, advanced in life, come to the last stage. It is no longer easy for me to acquire unacquired wealth or to augment wealth already acquired. Suppose I shave off my hair and beard, put on the yellow robe and go forth from the home life into homelessness. Because he has undergone that loss through aging, he shaves off his hair and beard, puts on the yellow robe and goes forth from the home life into homelessness. This is called loss through aging. But Master Ratapala is now still young, a black-haired young man endowed with the blessings of youth in the prime of life. Master Ratapala has not undergone any loss through aging. What has he known or seen or heard that he has gone forth from the home life into homelessness? And what is lost through sickness? Here, Master Ratapala, someone is afflicted, suffering, gravely ill. He considers thus, I am afflicted, suffering, gravely ill. It is no longer easy for me to acquire unacquired wealth. And he goes into homelessness. Because he has undergone that loss through sickness, he goes forth from home into homelessness. This is called loss through sickness. But Master Ratapala now is free from illness and affliction. He possesses a good digestion that is neither too cool nor too warm, but medium. Master Ratapala has not undergone any loss through sickness. What has he known or seen or heard that he has gone forth from the home, from the home life into homelessness? And what is loss of wealth? Here, Master Ratapala, someone is rich of great wealth, great possessions. Gradually his wealth dwindles away. He considers thus, formerly I was rich of great wealth, of great possessions. Gradually my wealth has dwindled away. It is no longer easy for me to acquire unacquired wealth. And so he goes into homelessness. Because he has undergone that loss of wealth, he goes forth from the home life into homelessness. This is called loss of wealth. But Master Ratapala is the son of the leading clan in this same Tulakotita. Master Ratapala has not undergone any loss of wealth. What has he known or seen or heard that he has gone forth from home into homelessness? And what is loss of relatives? Here, Master Ratapala, someone has many friends and companions, kinsmen, relatives. Gradually, those relatives of his dwindle away. He, he, can, he, considers, he considers thus, formerly, I had many friends and companions, kinsmen and relatives. Gradually those relatives of mine have dwindled away. It is no longer easy for me to acquire unacquired wealth. Thus he goes into homelessness. 
but he has undergone that because he has undergone that loss of relatives he goes forth from the home life into homelessness this is called loss of relatives but master ratapala has many friends and companions kinsmen and relatives in this same tulakotita master ratapala has not undergone any loss of relatives what ha- what has he known or seen or heard that he has gone forth from the home life into homelessness master ratapala these are the four kinds of loss because they have undergone these four kinds of loss some people here shave off their hair and beard put on the yellow robe and go forth from the home life into homelessness master ratapala has not undergone any of these what has he known or seen or heard that he has gone forth from from the home life into homelessness great king there are four summaries of this dharma <laughs> now he's getting his own back since the the king has laid down four uh, he's coming back with his own four now great king there are these four summaries of the dharma that have been taught by the blessed one who knows and sees accomplished and fully enlightened knowing and seeing and hearing them i went forth from the home life into homelessness what are the four one life in any world is unstable it is swept away this is the first summary of the dharma taught by the blessed one who knows and sees accomplished and fully enlightened knowing and seeing and hearing this i went forth from the home life into homelessness two life in any world has no shelter and no protector this is the second summary of the dharma taught by the blessed one who knows and sees three life in any world has nothing of its own one ha- one has to leave all and pass on this is the third summary of the dharma taught by the blessed one who knows and sees fourth life in any world is incomplete insatiate the slave of craving this is the fourth summary of the dharma taught by the blessed one who knows and sees great king these are the four summaries of the dharma that have been taught by the blessed one who knows and sees accomplished and fully enlightened knowing and seeing and hearing them i went forth from the home life into homelessness <clears throat> master ratapala said life in any world is unstable it is swept away how should the meaning of that statement be understood what do you think great king When you were 20, 25 years old, were you an expert rider of elephants, an expert horseman, an expert charioteer, an expert archer, an expert swordsman, strong in thigh and arms, sturdy, capable in battle? When I was 20, 25 years old, Master Ratapala, I was an expert rider of elephants, strong in thighs and arms, sturdy, capable in battle. Sometimes I wonder if i had supernormal power then i do not see anyone who could equal me in strength do you think great king 
Are you now as strong in thigh and arm, as sturdy and as capable in battle? No, Master Ratapala, now I am old, aged, burdened with years, advanced in life, come to the last stage. My years have turned eighty. Sometimes I mean to put my foot here. (coughs) Sometimes I mean to put my foot here, My foot goes somewhere else. (laughs) Great King, it was on account of this that the Blessed One who knows and sees, accomplished and fully enlightened, said, Life in any world is unstable. It is swept away. And when I knew and saw and heard this, I went forth from the the home life into homelessness. It is wonderful, Master Ratapala. It is marvellous how well that has been expressed by the Blessed One who knows and sees, accomplished and fully enlightened. Life in any world is unstable. It is swept away. It is indeed so. Master Ratapala, there exists in this court elephant troops, cavalry, chariot troops, infantry, which will serve to to subdue any threats to us. Now, Master Ratapala said, life in any world has no shelter, no protector. How should the meaning of this statement be understood? What do you think, great king? Do you have any chronic ailment? I have a chronic wind ailment, Master Ratapala. Sometimes my friends and companions, kinsmen and relatives, stand around me thinking, now King Karavia is about to die. Now King Karavia is about to die. What do you think, great king? Can you command your friends and companions, your kinsmen and relatives? Come, my good friends and companions, my kinsmen and relatives. All of you present share this painful feeling so that I can feel less pain. Or do you have to feel that pain yourself alone? I cannot command my friends and companions, my kinsmen and relatives, thus Master Parler. I have to feel that pain alone. Great king... It was on account of this that the Blessed One who knows and sees, accomplished and fully enlightened, said, Life in any world has no shelter, no protector. And when I knew and saw and heard this, I went forth from the home life into homelessness. It is wonderful, Master Ratapal. It is marvellous how well that has been expressed by the Blessed One who knows and sees, accomplished and fully, fully enlightened. Life in any world has no shelter and no protector. It is indeed so. Master Ratapala, there exists in this court abundant gold, coins, bullion stored up, stored away in vaults and depositories. Now, Master Ratapala said, life in any world has nothing of its own. One has to leave all and pass on. How should the meaning of that statement be understood? What do you think, great king? You know, you now enjoy yourself provided and endowed with the five cause of sensual pleasure. But will you be able to have it of life to come? Let me likewise enjoy myself provided and endowed with these same five causes of sensual pleasure. Or will others take over this property while you, while you will have to pass on according to your actions? I cannot have it thus of the life to come, Master Ratapala. On the contrary, others will take over this property while I shall have to pass on according to my actions.
great king. It was on account of this that the Blessed One, who knows and sees, accomplished and fully enlightened, said, Life in any world has nothing of its own. One has to leave all and pass on. And when I knew and saw and heard this, I went forth from the home life into homelessness. It is wonderful, Master Ratapal. It is marvellous how well that has been expressed by the Blessed One who knows and sees, accomplished and fully enlightened. Life in any world has nothing of its own. One has to leave all and pass on. It is indeed so. Now, Master Ratapala said, Life in any world is incomplete, insatiate, the slave of craving. How should the meaning of that statement be understood? What do you think, great king? Do you reign over the rich Kuru country? Yes, Master Ratapala, I do. What do you think, great king? Suppose a trustworthy and reliable man came to you from the east and said, Please know, great king, that I have come from the east, and there I saw a large country, powerful and rich, very populous and crowded with people. There are plenty of elephant troops there, plenty of cavalry, chariot troops, infantry. There is plenty of ivory there, plenty of gold coins, bullion, both unworked and worked, plenty of women for wives. With your present forces, you can conquer it. Conquer it then, great king. What would you do? We would conquer it and reign over it, Master Parler. <laughs> At this point, I have to... <laughs> this is very interesting, I think. This, it, it just simply goes to show here that uh, here is a, a king with all this wealth and, it, and it, this is just such a clear illustration that if you have power, and if you have power and you're, you know, and you're the king and your powers are unlimited... If your neighbour is weaker than you, then if someone reports that to you, then the first idea that comes into your mind is you just go and conquer them. It, you know, if that was that, that was uh, that was pol- that was politics in those days, when you were powerful enough, whoever was on your borders, whoever your neighbours were, then you know, the first thought that arises in his mind, you know, that's a great rich country, but it's weaker than me. First thing, I would go and conquer them. So, so, so this is this is quite interesting. Um, like these, and, and that's what they did in those days. These kings were, would conquer each other. Uh, they were not only were there these kingdoms; there were these sort of oligarchies as well. They were, they were these sort of republics that didn't that didn't have kings. They they were republics that you know, sort of had a sense of, of of politics. You know, trying to govern themselves without great kings. But but even these republics. You know, uh, they were always at threat uh, from the kings, from the royalty. You know, because the republics were sensible. You know, they they were concerned about other people's property, and you know, and they all got together and said, you know, property is important to everybody. Let's have a let's have a fair logical system so every everybody treat, is treated fairly. I mean, that's fine. You know, if if uh, your republic is big enough, but uh, these monarchies uh, were very big. And you know, eventually, all, the, all these republics, all these republics were simply overtaken, just wiped out by these monarchies. Like even the Buddha, the Buddha came from a republic, the Sakyans. This, this was a republic. And uh, you know, even in the Buddha's lifetime, uh, I think it was uh, Ajatasattu uh, went and 
and conquered the, Satian, you know, the, the Sakians. But it's very interesting, you know, that this, you can see this mentality just so clearly illustrated here. Okay, where were we? With your present forces, you can conquer it. Conquer it then, great king. What would you do? We would conquer it and reign over it, Master Ratapala. What do you think, great king? Suppose a trustworthy and reliable man came to you from the west, from the north, from the south, and said, Please know, great king, that I have come from the south, and there a large country, powerful and rich, blah, 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 conquer it, great king. What would you do? We would conquer it too, reign o- and reign over it, Master Ratapala. Great king, it was on account of this that the blessed one who knows and sees, accomplished and fully enlightened, said, Life in any world is incomplete, insatiate, a slave of craving. And when I knew and saw and heard this, I went forth from the home life into homelessness. It is wonderful, Master Ratapala. It is marvellous how well that has been expressed by the Blessed One who knows and sees, accomplished and fully enlightened. Life in any world is incomplete, insatiate, the slave of craving. It is indeed so. That is what the Venerable Ratapala said. And having said that, he said further, now there's a, there's a long verse here, <laughs> long piece in verse. So I'll read this, so be patient. I see men wealthy in the world who yet from ignorance give not their gathered wealth. Greedily they hoard away their riches, longing still for further sensual pleasures. A king who has conquered the earth by force and rules over the land, the ocean, the and rules over the land, the ocean bounds, is yet unsated with the seas near shore, and hungers for its further shore as well. Most other people too, not just king, encounter death with craving unabated. With plans still incomplete, they leave the corpse. Desires remain unsated in the world. His relatives lament and rend their hair, crying, Ah me, alas, our love is dead. They bear away the body wrapped in shrouds to place it on a pyre and burn it there. Clad in shroud, he leaves his wealth behind. Prodded with, stick, prodded with stakes, he burns upon the pyre. And as he dies, no relatives or friends can offer him shelter and refuge here. While his, while his heirs take over his wealth, this being must pass on according to his actions. And, ha- and as he dies, nothing can follow him, not child, not wife, not wealth, not royal estate. Longevity is not acquired with wealth, nor can prosperity banish old age. Short is this life, as all the sages say, Eternity it knows not, only change. The rich and poor alike shall feel death's touch. The fool and sage as well shall feel it too. But while the fool lies stricken by his folly, no sage will ever tremble at the touch. 
Better is wisdom here than any wealth, since by wisdom one gains the final goal. For people through ignorance do evil deeds, while failing to reach the goal from life to life. As one goes to the womb and the next world, renewing the successive rounds of birth, another of little wisdom, trusting him, goes also to the womb and the next world. I don't know if that, that line was immediately obvious there. I'll just, just read that again. As one goes to the womb and the next world, renewing the successive rounds of birth, and another of little wisdom trusting him goes also to the womb and the next world. Well, Bodhi Parlo hasn't given a footnote on this, but it, it seems that what he's saying here is, as he's going to the next world, he's going to the next world as a child, as, um, although he is leaving this world as an adult, going to the next world is actually arising um, as a child, as a child who's trusted in the older person. I don't know if anybody else has got any... <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Just as a robber caught in burglary is made to suffer for his evil deed, so people after death in the next world are made to suffer for their evil deeds. Sensual pleasures, varied, sweet, delightful, in many different ways disturb the mind. Seeing the danger in these sensual ties, I choose to lead the homeless life, O king. As fruits fall from fall from the tree, so people too, both young and old, fall when this body breaks. Seeing this too, O king, I have gone forth. Better is a recluse life assured. Okay, that's the end of the sutta. So, anybody have any remarks? Um, Well, you know, in, in those days, <laughs> uh, in those days, it was that, that was their names. Um, it, it's it's these days. We, we in those days the Buddha, the, uh, the, the Dharma as we know it today was taking form. You know the actual you could say all the qualities and and, and all, all the words for all, all the all the qualities. And so these days, when when people go forth, basically they're taking they're taking on the, an extra name, the name of the qualities of Dharma. Uh, in those days, you know, they were literally, you know, the, the, the people that were fashioning it, people that were making the early Sangha. So uh, that wasn't necessary. It wasn't in place then. They simply, you know, they took their, their real original names. It wasn't, you know, it must have been some historical thing that now uh, people these days, when they take on a name... Uh, to, to give you a sense of identity with the teaching, they choose, no, they choose the names which are a quality of this Dharma, uh, which has now come down to us, the teaching. So basically, they're ta- they, what they're doing is they're taking on a name which is a reference to the teaching. But, it, but in those days, um, they were the original, the first people. They didn't need to do that because they were right there with the Buddha. And so the teaching, you know, they were experiencing the teachers being taught by the Buddha. It's a different situation. They wouldn't have, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have been such names, you know, 
wouldn't have been necessary. The words in those days were the actual, uh, were the actual tools of what they were constructing the, uh, the Sangha and the teaching with. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been so relevant then. Yeah, but that's that's um, that was the um, uh, that was the the historical uh, way of sharing respect in those days. That, that was already established. The uh, the, the right uh, was considered to be the uh, the the auspicious the auspicious side, like like the right like you know your right hand man. We had this expression today: the right hand man. The right is always um, always had a sense of auspiciousness, and and it was you know even before even before the days of the Buddha, uh, the the right side was relevant. And so uh, when you would when you would circle round uh, a, ho- a holy relic or a shrine, you would always go round always go round to the right. And um, that's the, that's the reason for keeping uh, the right the right shoulder. Uh, bear monks so um, that's just you know uh, the actual origin the the, the, you know, the the true origin of it I don't know it goes too deep into antiquity I don't know the truth of that one but it's just that uh, his, historically um, that's always been the case the right has been auspicious and sacred and vener- venerated you have you have a perspective on that Well, you know, like the yes, well, well the right hand uh, in that it, it is it is a sim- similar origin. Like the, the the it's the the right it's the capability of the right hand. You know, it is it is it is the right hand which is is the the operative, the functional hand, isn't it? The left hand just supports the right hand. Very very few left-handed people in the world compared with right-handed people. So you know, it, it's it's the whole sense of the of the uh, the, the the capability the, the functionalness of of the right hand you know it, it's it's what it's what gets the job done basically uh, I, I don't know eh? from the husband as well <laughs> Well, I mean, they did, they did give him permission, but, I mean, you know, yeah, well, you can call it blackmail, you know, he forced the issue, but they, they actually did give him permission, and, you know, but, but, with, but it was conditional, you have to come back and see us. Well, you know, that's got nothing to do with the Buddha, he goes to the Buddha and he says, I've got permission from my parents... It, it might. It, it seems a bit contrived. You, you, it, it's a bit insincere. Well, I mean, he did get permission, but you know, it's it's like he didn't get he didn't he didn't get their blessing. You could say it wasn't. He, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't get their their wholehearted support. It was something that he had to bargain with. You know, he want, he 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 wanted to do something. He was, he was a grown man. <laughs> You know, he, was, he, was, he was a grown man with wives, and he wanted he wanted to do you know 
He, wanted, he, felt, he felt he had the right to do something without being burdened by his parents. You could, say from, you could say from his point of view, no, it's my parents that are laying a heavy trip on me. I, you know, I'm a grown man. You know, I want to do something. Why are they being, why are they being so unreasonable? You know, that, uh, you know, that, is, that just illustrates that bit of a, fam, you know, a family struggle, you know, the, the general sort of outcome and the, the general situation. But... You know, on, on both, you can say, on both, both sides, they're both putting pressure on each other, but one in their own way. Now, if a parent say no... Yeah, right. If, well, yeah, if the parents say no, then the man wouldn't be at all day, right? You'd have to lay down and die, yeah. What was that? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is just, it seems to be so obvious, you know. Kids pestering their parents. I mean, and there were all sorts of, you know, that, that's, that's fair game, isn't it? I mean, parents are just as bad with kids. They lay heavy trips on their kids and parents lay heavy trips on their parents. Kids lay heavy trips on their parents. I, mean, I don't see that, you know, that's... You know, that's the way they behave. Parents and kids behave like that. They try to get the better of each other. I mean, you know, like, when, when they came back... When, when he came back again, look at the dirty trick they played on him, you know? All his wealth and everything. You know, you can see... You can see, sort of... Uh, they weren't innocent. You could see that he was adopting that attitude, because his parents were just like him, you know. He was probably like that because he was brought up by his parents, so that was obviously the way to handle it. He knew that was the way to handle his parents, to get anything from his parents. He knew that you had to, be, you had to do something desperate like lay down and die before you're going to get anything from them. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, he was just as bad, of, as, bad as Gandhi, really. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't trust a character like Gandhi, would you? <laughs> we wouldn't want him in the Sangha doing things like that. <laughs> yeah, but look at, look at the way his parents received him to start off with. He was coming back, he's coming all the way back to his parents, and, and the first thing his father does is abuse him, mistakes him for someone else and actually abuses him. That's the first, that's the first thing he gets. And, and his parents, his father, was actually abusing uh, his community. Like it was these, these bull-pated recluses. You know, the father made that quite clear. You know, that you're, you know, that his, his, his community, which he had taken on, you know, his father was abusive towards those. So that may well have, you know, that may well have conditioned his his sort of coolness towards his family. He must have thought to himself, you know, well, you know, I'm a bit suspicious here, you know, you know, um, how am I going to be received here? Hmm. Well, he was forgiven, he did, he did have compassion. He, he was an arahant. He was full of metta. But, you know, as all those, all, all those, um, all, that's, all those poems that come at the back there, he was, he, was just, he was just laying it on the line, you know, that his, his, his family were just completely caught up in, in this world, you know, with, 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 with the, 
uh, with the craving and the, uh, the sensuality and the material values of this world. This was all their standards. Their whole standards was around this. And he was someone that was coming from a, uh, a totally different perspective. He had seen, in, like, he had, like he was discussing with the king, he had seen you know, the dangers and the, the, the liability in that lifestyle. And he was, he was indicating this to his family, you know, that you're, you know, you're making, this to you is so important, you're making so much of this, but in fact you're, you're digging your own graves. You cannot really get any true satisfaction out of this, any real salvation. You know, and you know, and he, was, he was actually indicating that by his, his whole attitude and behaviour. Okay, so what's, how are we doing time-wise? Um, uh, like Mara defined is that, that there are many manifestations of Mara yeah. uh, Mara can, can manifest in all sorts of ways uh, like basically psychologically in, in, in a person's um, addiction to sensuality um, that's, that's, Mara, that, that's, Mara, that's an aspect of Mara but the Buddha also says Mara, there's, there's an aspect of Mara called uh, Mara, uh, Mara Deva Puta. Mara Deva Puta. This is, even as a being, Mara can actually manifest in the world as a being, as another person that can try to goad you in, into, uh, in the, into the wrong direction, into unwholesome behavior. In fact, every, every, aspect, in, every aspect in existence that leads you away from the part of righteousness into unwholesomeness. No matter what it is, this is considered to be an aspect of Mara. Uh, so, you know, Mara has many definitions. Okay, well, I, I think that's a, a good enough for one session.